Hey everyone, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. You know, this is your first time joining us. Thanks for being here uh, to give you a quick idea of what we're about. We've been married for 15 years. We've got... Four, 14 and a half. 14, whatever. We've got four kids, ages 12, and eight, 12 10, 8, and 4. And uh, this is a podcast about our lives. So if you're not down with reality podcasting, then tune away now. <laughs> redemptive um, reality podcasting. Yes, it is very redemptive reality podcasting. Um, I'm an audio engineer by trade. Molly is a theologian by life by pra- training. training and practice. And, and a homeschooling mom. We're living. By day. We're, we're struggling through life where people are weird and hard. You'll hear us say that a lot. Um, I, apologies now for the weird voice. I do have a little bit of a cold. Picked that up yesterday. Trying to kick it now with some of my... This is not product placement, but I do have a referral code that will be in the show notes. My uh, Peak Pruyer Tea. Green tea. It's super delicious. Um, okay, speaking of green tea. Green tea, ironically, because it has caffeine, you would think that it would keep you up, which it does. You shouldn't drink it too close to bedtime. But it contains a compound called L-theanine that's good for anxiety and for sleeping. You can actually buy L-theanine gummies or tablets at a health food store, and people will buy them for mood and for sleep. So it's very interesting what green tea Mm. does for your body, that it gives you a burst of energy, but then it also has a lot of antioxidants that help flush your body, uh, you know, bad stuff out of your body. And then it has this calming effect, like, afterwards, Yes, and I'll, we'll go back to the green tea in a minute, too. Um, but if you want to know what we're... We don't know what we're going to talk about. That's the big deal. Uh, we just kind of start talking. And uh, the there's always a theme that tends to come out with the show. And um, to alleviate some of the potential frustration for those of you who are like, I like interviews and I like it really structured. Um, if you look just in the show notes... <laughs> if you want structured an interview, this is not the podcast yeah, for you. we're parents. Um I you do have see my kitchen right now. I have time stamped uh top uh time stamped topical things in the show notes. So you can see kind of what we talk about where and and I kind of try to correlate things like that. So um anyway, yes. Um we sat down just now and Molly goes, I've got nothing. And I was like, Well, we'll just start talking. So well, I let's also, go back. I posted on Telegram, what should we talk about? <laughs> okay, cool. And um so we'll start with, while we wait for some responses on Telegram, I'm not sure how busy it is. It's been a pretty quiet week on Telegram. Joel and Phil are both on right now. Cool. Um, let's go back to the tea for a second. The reason I'm drinking this tea is because it was my birthday on Thursday. And my mother-in-law uh, got me two boxes of peak tea, which is, I am not really a tea drinker. I would not classify myself as a tea drinker. But we heard about this tea from... Uh, Sean on the Model Health Show, another podcast that Molly likes to listen to because I just I don't listen to podcasts. Um, I listen to audiobooks and I listen to music. Um, and I fell in love with it, but it's not cheap. In fact, it's the opposite of cheap. So I haven't really bought more it, tea recently. It's probably about the same per serving as Starbucks via the instant mm. coffee. Do you think? Maybe a little bit more. I, you could go look based on the box price and what's in the box, but... Um, yeah, it's more than... It's it's it comes cheaper in, than buying green tea brewed, like it, a green tea latte at yeah, Starbucks. I'll tell you that. It, it comes in a in a small little packet. It's powdered. It comes in a small little packet that you just drop in there and go. 
And uh, so like last year when we did a trip to Hawaii that with your parents, Molly, uh, I packed some and drank some uh, off and on. So and speaking of which, this is going to be the last show for at least two weeks, maybe three, because on Saturday... Because we don't leave for a week. Right. On Saturday, we are headed to um, the Dominican Republic with uh, the family, Molly's, Molly's dad's. Um, super awesome. Could we record on a phone on the beach? We and you post a ghetto I, version. No, I actually have a portable. Uh, I've got a portable uh, audio box for my DJ rig. We could take if we were. Really how wanted big? To. How big is it? Oh, it's like the size of your. It's smaller than your Bible, right there. A thought we'll be there two yeah. weeks yeah we will be, be there a two more, weeks. be a more laid-back probably thoughtful <laughs> podcast than we've had recently you we'll guys be, i'll we'll be been, sucking on a cuban let's talk about life last couple days i've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to get school wrapped up for the year and uh joel just asked on instagram or on telegram uh how the skiing is well we'll get to it Keep and talking well i'm talking. following up oh, okay, so right. before our ski season ends this the day our ski season ends while we're still in in transit on our Dominican Republic trip. So this week is the last week for our family for our kids to ski unless our ski area gets a great bunch of snow and they do what's called a bonus weekend where they're just open Saturday and Sunday of the following week but uh, Maybe. Yeah, they might be. That's why it would be a bonus weekend. But so so essentially we have this next week and we haven't skied for a couple weeks because I'm kind of burnt out from dragging the kids up for Elise's lessons every Saturday. So I told the kids I would bring them skiing tomorrow and there's a possibility that I could would also bring them Wednesday, which wow. means that, yeah, I mean, they they all want to. Get they in do. more skiing. Spring skiing's nice in the weekday right now. This is this is the second week of spring break ish. Spring, yeah. So let me. <laughs> this brings up the next thing I was gonna just kind of randomly talk about until we land on something. Um, the so the last these last two weeks leading up to the ski season, I'm leaving early, and as m- some of you know, I went paid from three years of volunteer ski patrol. I went paid this year, and I've been doing about three days a week up there. Uh, well, the last two weeks, I kind of feel like I. I don't really feel guilty, but I'm, I am, when we open the whole mountain, our full staff is like eight or nine patrollers, which is really, really thin when you suddenly have two or three of them on a call and you're trying to cover the whole mountain and all the things. So I've been putting in a lot of extra days and last week I worked six straight. Um, I worked four days on the mountain. I worked a fifth day at Thirsty Street for a concert and then I worked um, a, a fifth day on the mountain or six day total um, as patrol. And then we had today and then next week I'm going Monday through Thursday and then Friday again, we'll have another concert I'm mixing and then Saturday we leave. So it's kind of this, I kind of see it as this last sprint, uh, sprint out so I can just leave on a good note. And I, there is going to be a mountain teardown day, but this kind of made me think too, Molly, the, um, when I was, um, when we were at church today, we were talking about prayer requests and stuff. And I like our lives are pretty seasonal, mm-hmm. you know, like before ski, it was always kind of like, okay, ski season ends. 
We've got some downtime. Okay, now cabin season. Her parents have a cabin in the crazies. Cabin season begins in the summer. And then cabin season ends when kind of hunting season begins. And then right around overlapping hunting, we, you know, we have a month or so there, or two months that we don't have anything between cabin season and hunting season. And then ski season kind of starts and we kind of do the whole cycle again. But in between cabin <clears throat> season and hunting season, we start school. So there's this buckle right. down push to actually... Right. So I was kind of like contemplating, um, I personally am feeling really, um, not anxious, but this trip with everything else is kind of like, this is the end of this season. I'm now going to begin a new season. You know, And when we get home, um, Joel also asked about garden plans. It's full on, it's not quite full on gardening season in terms of Montana's last frost date is usually Memorial Day weekend. And so you generally don't plant things in the ground until then. But we've got this greenhouse that I'm still trying to figure out. I put at least got a basil, like a basil growing kit in this cute little tin for Christmas in her stocking. And we grew it and she had basil that was probably two inches tall. And it was outgrow it was getting root bound in this little tin. So I repotted it into some garden pots in the greenhouse. And then I forgot about it. Because And it was 50 degrees outside, so it was probably 70 degrees in the greenhouse during the day. And it froze hard overnight. I I do not know how to manage a greenhouse so far, <laughs> clearly. It, according to one guy that I found online, he says it actually gets colder, when it, hotter when it's hot out and colder when it's cold out in a greenhouse. And so I had a five-gallon bucket of water in there that I dip in to water the random... The, like the honeyberry bushes that you mm-hmm. bought that are dormant but still need water, I dip into this five-gallon bucket. The five-gallon bucket was frozen solid overnight from it. I watered something out of it, what, this, two days ago? And then that night, it fro- the entire five-gallon bucket, it was about three-quarters full, froze solid, completely killed poor Elise's basil plant. I promised her I'll buy her a new full-grown one. My kids, you guys, I love this. My kids love basil. I, my mom always grows a pot, a probably, I don't know, two foot diameter pot off of her back porch of basil. And she goes out and picks it as she wants to. And it was so big this year and it was about to freeze. She told me that I could just take all the rest of it. And I brought it back and I sat down in a portion of my yard that I'm hoping this year will turn into a basil patch just by volunteer basil because all the stuff that had gone to seed, I just left it sitting on the ground there. If it doesn't, I'm going to scatter seeds and hope that they come up on their own. But uh, I made probably four pints, maybe even more than that, of pesto out of that. And just if you, because pesto has so much oil in it, it keeps for a very long time in the fridge. So this was mid-October that I made this pesto. And then little trick, if you, there are a lot of ways to, if you're a pesto person, the top layer of pesto in the jar often turns brown, but if you cover it with a layer of olive oil when you're done doing it, which is olive oil based anyway, so you're just adding a smidgen extra olive oil to your pesto, but every time you're done scooping out of the jar, just put a little layer of olive oil in it and it keeps it fresh. I just used up the last of the pesto that I made on pizza. I don't know. It was the night that you were gone last weekend. I can't even remember. Maybe Friday night. 
And the kids were so sad to find out it was the last of the pesto. But it lasted from October, November, December, January, February, almost six months, which is pretty sweet. Uh, And I'm given the choice of leftover pizza between pesto. It had pesto, goat cheese, and bacon and mozzarella on it. And just a marinara, pepperoni, and cheese. They fought over the leftover pesto pizza. Ah, I love pizza. Um, currently also going on at our house, um, my dad, uh, as you know, my parents live on our property. And last year they finished turning one of our only detached outbuilding, which was a three-car garage, into an apartment and a single-car garage. So they've dug. Your dad was over here with his skid steer with my dad, and they were digging holes for a foundation for the shop. Um, and we, we dug, then uh, Friday got home before work, and your dad and I did the foundation stuff for um, the garden shed he's he's getting rid of, that he's going to bring over. So we've been going like nonstop, hence us uh, podcasting on a Sunday. And um, I do like the topic of, uh, if you guys are curious, when we talk about Telegram group, we've got a Telegram chat group, a private group um, that you can join and participate in. If you want, the link is in the show notes. So um, anyway, there's some real-time suggestions on conversations. But before we get to the Sabbath, because I like that one, um, (laughs) uh, ski season. Um, As we all know, California is getting pounded. We are not getting pounded. Um, But the the snow has been kind of nice. It's We got a couple of pretty good storms. It's been kind of snowing. It's been spitting a few inches here and there almost every day this month. But it's not enough to keep up with the snow melt and the refreeze at night. Just recently has the snow started melting, though, because we have had very unseasonably cold March so far. Yeah. We're halfway through March, and I I haven't been following this statistic, but a couple of weeks ago, <coughs> the me, local National Weather Service posted that we were about to break a record for number of days in a row that didn't go above 55 degrees. And when they posted that, nothing in the forecast was above 50. And we're still just the forecast this week I'm looking at right now is the low for every day this week is in the 20s. Nope. Monday. Well, we're gone. The low is 18. I was going to say, last week, the low was in the low teens every single day, which is very unusual for us for March, I think. So it's been cold enough at the ski hill that the snow has not been melting off. There are days toward in March in Montana often where you're doing spring skiing, and there are dudes skiing in shorts and <laughs> t- shorts and t-shirts or, you know shorts and a jacket or jeans and a t-shirt or jeans and no shirt at all and you're skiing in slush like two inches of slush that has not even remotely happened it warms up enough for it to get kind of soft and then it freezes hard oh, and when it's it is soft a layer of it's ice. such good skiing <laughs> so anyway that's the skiing is the skiing is not fantastic we have one chairlift that serves the lowest elevation uh ski runs at the resort and we shut it. We've been shutting it down every morning and delaying. We've been delaying the opening until close to noon because it's literally a sheet of ice. Because it gets so soft during the day. Yeah. And, and then we had we all had to do a big brush up. There's a a rack. So if, if there's an injury on this part of the mountain, standard practice is you get a snowmobile down there, 
and you tow because it goes it goes down to nothing. You tow. It goes down. It's on the other side of the mountain from right. where our lodge is, and it goes down lower than the lodge. Right. So we we hook up a toboggan. We uh, the patient is in the toboggan. The patroller is pulling the toboggan, and then the snowmobile is can is just there's a rope just wrapped around the handle of the toboggan, and it's pulling everything everybody out. Um, out up. So the, the patroller is standing up in yep. front of the toboggan. Yep, holding the toboggan. That sounds super sketchy. It. It's not sketchy at all. We get towed around all over the place on the mountain. The snowmobiles tow us all over the place. Um, that sounds like a great ad for recruiting more patrollers. Yeah, it's get kind towed of fun. around on. So the we've done training on that. Now, when it turns to a sheet of ice like this, you can't get a snowmobile up and down the hill. Oh. So we have a rack uh, that is. I don't know. I honestly don't know the official term. The term everybody calls it is that goes on to, because it goes on to it the goes ski on chair. to the ski chair, um, but in the in the on the rack the rack hooks with two clamps to the back of the of the chair on the chairlift, and then the litter, uh, which you guys have probably seen in photos of it, like a helicopter evac, we have a, this is the same kind of litter that we keep down there, and that litter gets strapped to laid on the rack and then strapped to the rack to the chair. And then we we take them up that way behind that the back of the chair. That sounds terrifying. It's actually not. A couple of us wanted to ride it up, but we didn't. That sounds terrifying. Well, one of the patrollers that morning um, said, so all of us had to, because we couldn't get the snowmobile up there, all of us had to brush up on that one. Um, one of the patrollers was like, have you ever had anybody like like really worried about not wanting to ride in that thing on the way up? And and so far, the experienced guys are like, no, because it's their only way out of there. And they're in a lot of pain. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Normally, if it's like a small injury, we'll walk down or ski down with them or take a toboggan down. They can ride up the chairlift. Yeah. But if it's something bad, but you they're know. they're strapped in on a backboard. So you guys, oh, Thursday was gnarly. So it's been spring break in like North Dakota, Wisconsin. Minnesota. Minnesota. Parts of Montana. And our little ski area is like the main ski area for middle class people who like to come to Montana for a ski vacation. We are affordable for one thing, relatively. It's it's still skiing. The town is affordable to stay in, relatively speaking. It's still a vacation town in Montana where all the Californians have moved in. And it's it's the closest that they can get to. Because we're probably, are we the furthest east ski area in Montana? Oh yeah, by far. So, so they they would have another at least two hours to get to Bridger or Big Sky, which would cost them way more to stay. So anyway. So anyway, Thursday, uh, as you know, we've got we're way we got so many more people there on the mountain, and a lot of people don't. They haven't. This is their only time skiing all year, etc. Conditions are hard. It's cold out, so the snow is really, really firm. If you were to land on it, it would feel more like landing on concrete. Firm, as in they canceled a jump competition because it right. was they There's, felt it was snow dangerous. Is too hard to land on. So, um, anyway, we've got like nine hundred people on the mountain, and there's only eight patrollers on Thursday, and we've got three at the at, on the top of one lift, three at dispatch, and then uh, two out in. Coal Creek, which is um, some expert terrain out past, a uh, little ways past the mountain. Also needs a, tow, a snowmobile tow out for injuries, in case you knew. Um, you didn't know. So, I anyway, really thought about eight, it. eight patrollers. 
eight patrollers, nine hundred people on the mountain, and we had eight wrecks. And when I when I when I say wreck, I mean we've had to load people up in the toboggan and like stabilize them, <clears throat> stabilize them, and get them down the mountain and um, take care of them. And it could be everything from a wrist to an ankle to a knee to you know, as you can expect, a skiing we get a lot of knee injuries. We had eight wrecks. Two of those involved calling the ambulance to come up. We had one collision. And three courtesy rides. And so a courtesy ride is uh, basically when somebody's like, I can't get down the hill. And you can either take them out on the snowmobile or you can grab uh, the a toboggan and they can slide down on the toboggan. Or you call the lift mechanics who also have snowmobiles, which we used, I think, for every single courtesy ride. So when there's a wreck, typically there's more than one uh, patroller, patroller on a wreck. And we had several wrecks simultaneously. So we've got... Out of eight patrollers, we've got four patrollers tied up, and then you got other calls coming in, and only four patrollers to go out and like go to these other calls. So it was just nonstop. It was one of the the busiest days I've had in my four years on the mountain. Hmm. It was crazy. Wow. Ah. Uh, so anyway. Um, so anyway, we're I'm life gonna bring is... the kids skiing tomorrow by myself because Jerry will be working. So that'll be fun. And um. And um, <laughs> she's reading through the telegram. I am. I think. I'm skimming the telegram right now. We uh, are the we are the flushing people. I am. I am really excited, you guys, to be on vacation. I'm feeling sore. My I wrecked. Uh, I something in my shoulder snapped when I was adjusting some tower pads uh, a couple weeks ago, and filed a workman's comp claim. But I'm pretty much in significant pain now, kind of all the time. I can't really carry much. Uh, lifting is weird movements. I could, I've got full range of motion, but if I have any weight in my hand, it just gets awkward and painful. So it's been waking me up a few times at night now. So I'm thinking when I get back from the DR, I might, or I might call this week and schedule an appointment for when I get back and have it looked at. Cause I'm a little concerned. I won't regain mobility or strength without something drastic, something to happen. So, um, I was kind of holding off, but it's not getting any better. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> as you can imagine, being on skis is a wonderful thing when you can be on skis all the time. But when you're 44 and have bad knees and you're just getting up there in age a little bit, it just takes a toll. So I'm like, I'm feeling pretty tired, <laughs> mm. tired and beat up. So the vacation's going to be nice. Um, and while I'm on vacation, for those of you on Telegram that asked, I am going to be taking what I have been using for personal uh devotional bible time so one of the questions we got was what are you guys doing for your personal you name it quiet time bible Bible study study. uh devotional etc um i so i was given i've got it right here um i was given a book for was it christmas Mm -hmm. this last christmas um and it's it's called Be Thou My Vision, and I think it's by Jonathan Gibson. Uh, let me just double check. It just says, yeah, Jonathan Gibson. It's published by Crossway. We bought it at the West. I think probably got it at the Westminster Bookstore. Um, and essentially, what it is is it's a daily devotional uh, liturgy. And by liturgy, I mean let's take a look at day twelve. There's a call to worship. Then there's adoration. Uh, there's a reading of the law. Then your confession of sin. 
And there's and when I say these are just topics, uh, there's there's readings. So uh, call to worship is First Peter one three through five. Adoration is praise pray pray this prayer to God, and there's they're all pre written prayers. Um, reading of the law, hear God's law as His will for your life. And this comes uh, day twelve is Matthew five uh, twenty forty eight six one thirty three and chapter seven verse twelve. And then there's a confession of sin. Confess your sins to God. All, again, all pre-written and pre-done for you. And then an assurance of pardon uh, from Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34, followed by uh, a creed. In this case, uh, it's the Athanasian Creed, part three. Confess what you believe about the Christian faith. And again, you read it. And then there's a praise. Uh, say or sing this praise to God. And it's actually the Gloria Patri is almost exclusively used. And our um, at our last church, uh, we had a, before they retired, the music lady, the music uh, minister had, um, can I call her a minister in the PCA? No, director. Music director, thank you. Uh, wrote um, a really wonderful tune to the Gloria Patri, which I sing. And then, and then you have a catechism reading. And so part of this is, uh, it's, you know, the, under the catechism, receive this instruction from one of the church's catechisms, see Appendix 2. And in the back of the book are several appendices that go along with these daily devotions. So I would go to Appendix 2 and read uh, the Catechism for the day. Then you go into Prayer for Illumination. As you read His Word, ask God to enlighten your mind and heart. Again, pre-written prayer, followed by your Scripture reading. And it's all laid out according to the Machine reading plan. So that's your Bible reading structure. Um, Read a portion of God's Word, and then Appendix 3 has... Uh, every day has a list of the passages you read. And then you have a prayer of intercession when you're done reading. As you make a request uh, to God, pray this prayer. And then there's a, a pre-written one. And then there's a section that says further petition, personal, church, and world for those things that come to mind. And then you close in the Lord's Prayer. And that's, this thing has been so refreshing. So it's part catechism, part machine reading plan, part book of common prayer, um, which I, you know, over the years, uh, a friend in college gave me the Book of Common Prayer. I've, I've really struggled to utilize it well. I've wanted to utilize it well in my personal devotions because um, it's a you know kind of a church uh, church tradition. Um, I've, I've struggled to use it well, and this <laughs> this book, Be Thou My Vision, has literally gone through and structured all of that stuff for me. So it's great with uh, confessions. It's great with you know for the creeds. It has your scripture reading in there, and it takes me um, when I go through a full day. I need about a half an hour to forty five minutes, depending on how how much I read, because it really. I mean, when you get to the prayer part, by that point, you're just you're so in tune with you're just you're so focused and in tune by the time you even get to your personal prayer time that I find myself praying for things a lot longer than normal. So. That's, you guys, um, I'm not consistent with it at all, by any means. I mean, when I get up, like tomorrow morning when I go to the ski area, I'm going to get up at uh, 5.50, I'm going to start my coffee, go back to the bedroom, get dressed, get my coffee, get my lunch, get my food, and head out the door. So I don't, um, when I'm skiing up on the mountain, I, I have very, I don't have, I have a lot of time to, this would be really awkward to do. In, uh, with the patrollers, with the other patrollers, maybe in the you room. could get it on Kindle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have plenty of time to do that while I'm at work, but um, not before I leave work. So I'm not super consistent. But when I do have 
a morning. I love to get up with my coffee and sit down with this and, uh, and go through it. So that's what I'm using for my personal uh, devotional Bible study uh, time right now. What I am doing is our, our church during this children's Sunday school hour does life groups. So there's like, what, four, I think there are four groups, three or four groups. It's a smallish church where the kids go to Sunday school, just traditional Sunday school, and the adults do a Bible study and do smaller group discussion of the Bible study we've done and then do prayer requests. And that's kind of, for us anyway, as being relatively new to the church, that's where we've started developing kind of the core of our relationships there. And rather than doing a a small group during the week, that's the small group and the relational connection. And we, this, we've now been there long enough to do two, complete two of the Bible studies. One of them we were doing the membership class and missed a lot of it. But currently it, we are doing the Philippians study from the, I had it pulled up on my phone for a few minutes. It's by John Nielsen and it's, I think, Reformed Bible. Reformed Exposition Bible. So there's a commentary series. And then there's a Bible study uh, based on the commentary series. And the Bible study actually has uh, excerpts from the commentary at the bottom of the page. The Reformed Expository Bible Study uh, series. I think Dennis Johnson wrote the commentary on Philippians. But John Nielsen did the, the Bible study booklet. And it's time, amount of time that it takes. I find it very similar to a Bible study fellowship lesson where you can sit down and do it in less than an hour, which is great. And I often, when I did BSF, found myself doing that, doing it less than an hour. More ideal. And what I'm choosing to do with it is to spend a little bit of time every morning. So I get up well, after JR does, he leaves me one cup worth of coffee in the coffee pot. Is this all so, you drink? <laughs> I know. It's all I drink. My body, my liver can no longer handle much alcohol. I end up with headaches. And my liver or whatever can now no longer handle more than one cup of coffee. Or I get super jittery and a little bit paranoid and angry. So one cup of coffee it is. And I make my latte using my frother steamer that I've talked about all the time and still still going strong. I still love it. So I make my latte. Actually, it's a mocha. Uh, and then I sit and I do my Bible study while the kids trickle downstairs. And then when there's critical mass of kids that are awake, then I close it and make breakfast for them. And or if it's something low key like oatmeal, I just have it going while I keep doing my Bible study. But in that way, I I probably do three to four really thoughtful questions a day, and then Saturday night or Sunday morning plow through the rest of them. But it reminds me, I read this article or not article. So I don't think I've referred to Rachel Jankovic lately, but I've been a big fan of hers for a long time. She's one of Douglas Wilson's daughters. And she'll often post, she's got a newborn, which is crazy, because I think her youngest before this was like seven or eight, and then she found out she was pregnant. Uh, 
so she hasn't been real prolific on Facebook or Instagram recently, but she shared something maybe two or three weeks ago that was really thought provoking to me. And it was, how will your kids, when they're grown and out of the house, fill in this blank? My mom always, what? Like, what did, what kind of core memories, to use modern parlance, what core memories will your kids have when they think of mom? That growing up, my mom always did this. And uh, skipping over to another sort of icon of homeschooly mom world, Sally Clarkson is somebody that I sometimes really like and sometimes I kind of struggle with. Uh, she She's made an impression on me, though, because she raised four incredible kids who are all prolific writers and musicians and thinkers now. But she she made it a point to be drinking tea or coffee and reading her Bible when her kids woke up in the morning so that would make an impression on them that that was the most important thing, way for their mom to start their her day. And that was, she was raising her kids in the days before phones and the internet and Instagram and Facebook and whatever else you can get distracted on, Telegram on your phone with, existed. But uh, I, I've been thinking about that. My mom always, and I feel like we don't have... I, I'm not the most disciplined person, so I don't have these routines in our lives where our kids would say, my mom always X, Y, or Z. I often make homemade snacks and things like that, especially if we have friends over. Oh, this is another update I can give people, having friends over for our girls. <laughs> we were talking about the friend challenges. Oh, yes. But... um but anyway, uh, so I, my personal Bible study has been, I haven't even been doing my read through the Bible recently, except on occasion I'll, when I see the Facebook group say that they're doing a short book, I'll be like, okay, I can spend three or four days just powering through this book. But, uh, but the going really slowly through Philippians, when I was in, I, I think when I was turning 13... <clears throat> My parents did this thing called a teenage challenge, and it was like, you have to earn a certain amount of money. They, it was setting a set of goals, and one of them, so I actually, ironically enough, sold bread <laughs> and earned money selling bread. I And my, my parents made me and my brother for this teenage challenge each memorize a book of the Bible, and my book of the Bible was Philippians 4. So I have, in my deep in my memory, in NI, the old NIV, Philippians 4 memorized, and this is what we're on now, but it's been really delightful to go really slowly through this well-known, beloved, often referred to book of the Bible and going slowly through it. It's a 13-week study, so we do anywhere from 3 to 10 verses in a chunk, but reading those over and over and then starting the book with looking at the context of the founding of the church in Philippi and realizing that Paul hasn't seen the Philippian church for 10 years. And he, of course, is writing from prison and refers to so many church members by name. And it's just been fun going through it. I didn't expect to enjoy the Philippian study as much as I have because I feel like I know Paul a little bit better and see his heart for 
believers who are just, you know, they're hanging in there. So they're struggling, but they're faithful. He doesn't have a whole lot to rebuke them for. He's got some concerns. He voices those concerns. He gives a lot of gospel-based encouragement surrounding those concerns, which, of course, he does for everybody. But just his real heart for this beloved church has been fun to kind of uh, steep ourselves in for a longer period of time. But the accountability, I haven't been able to do Bible study fellowship because of homeschooling. I think I quit. I don't think. I know that I quit when Faith was born. So I'm coming up on five years of not doing it. Uh, she was born in May, so I made it most of the way through the year, the 20, was she born in 2018? So I made it most of the way through the 2017, 2018 year. And I have many friends who continue on in it, and I would love to do it again. But you, but. I love returning to having the discipline of a group study where you do it individually and then you debrief. And uh, I've just, I've really enjoyed that and appreciated that context. Uh, so Elise had friendship update, friendship update. Yep. Did I, did we name the kid who was having the friendship troubles? Mm, Didn't then, but we now just did. we just did. I can edit it out. I mean, we all, they all have friendship troubles at some point, right? Mm-hmm. It's up to you if you want to edit it out. Uh, it's up to you. You're the one who... Was not naming her. Yeah. No, I just, I, so, so she, we had a neighbor girl come over and they both have strong personalities, but I'm realizing there's a possible, I'm trying to study this third born of ours who is a real enigma in a lot of ways. I don't think she knows herself very well. And is that a function of being a thirdborn? Of not knowing? Or is it or a function lo- of being eight? Eight in the middle, her personality. It's probably, it's probably this whole whirlwind of all these things. But... Um, she is a literal whirlwind. She is. And we've always... She's always had this very strong personality, I th- I've felt. And we, we've called her Elise the Beast. And, and yet... She's the one who is, she's very strong. I would say that for her age and her stature, she's stronger than either Titus or Lily were at that age. Very physically strong. And yet, she's the one who has dissolved in tears at the thought of competing in a judo tournament. You know, where she gets signed up for it, she gets to the edge of the mat where they're supposed to walk out and bow, and then she's paralyzed in, in crying and fear. And uh, she's just a real interesting mix that i have not she's also the first one unlike all the other kids if you want to do something special for her she almost insists on doing the same thing or bringing something back for the other kids she's very in tuned to the feeling of being left out and never wants anybody else to feel left out but i find that she's struggling to assert herself when she has friends over and she ends up feeling bowled over by them and resenting the fact that they came over. Huh. Fascinating. Is so I because this this neighbor girl came over on Friday afternoon and kind of ran the whole play day and at least at one point was like I just want her to go home. And I was like I she's your friend. <laughs> and if you want her if you want to play with her, you have to figure out how to get along. And she's like she just insists on her own way all the time. And I was like, well, she also is your age and is a little girl. You guys, I 
I feel like Elise, because then she, anyway, Elise is also our one who has always made friends the fastest. Yeah. Like, she, the two, the twins of the owners of the pub where you do sound, she spent an afternoon with them and not only came away saying, we're best friends, but did you, did you catch the phrase that they were using? BFFNs. We're best friends for now. Until we're not. Like, they're not saying we're best friends forever. We're best friends for now. But she came home after one afternoon of playing with these girls. And then I took her, they took them to our friend Laura, who is the music director at our old church and our violin instructor and is an incredibly talented violinist, has several groups, including a string quartet that spends all summer going around the state playing weddings. And then she has an Irish... Irish band? Is that what you would call Traditional it? Traditional Irish folk band. Yeah. So, like, the lead singer sang a couple songs in Irish or Gaelic. What? Is that the Gaelic? Anyway, it was a very fun... I don't know anything about the she, They did a St. Patty's show. It was tremendously fun. All these little <clears throat> kids dancing at a pub, which was kind of... It was packed. It was packed. It was, it was very fun, but Elise found the twins immediately and, uh, you know, was, like, thick as thieves with them again. So she's very good because she's outgoing at making friends. She doesn't have a lot of fear of man in putting herself out there with new kids. But she, ah, she, there's a girl from church who is quite a bit smaller than she is. So maybe she's thought that she was a lot younger. And this family was at the pub also because they were friends with the guy who was singing Gaelic. And at least... We're driving home and she goes, this girl and I are friends now. I asked her if we could play together after church. And she said, yes. (laughs) And she said, and keep in mind, you guys, Elise is eight. And she's commenting on other eight-year-olds. And she said, and she said that she's been friends with this other girl at church, but the other girl at church has been ignoring her lately. So she'll play with me after church. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I, I have a very, very clear memory Fifth grade was the age at which girls became a total enigma and a struggle for me. And I know this because my mom spent a ton of time coming in and talking to my teachers. And my teachers were like, this is the worst group of girls we've ever encountered for this. Like, usually it takes another year to get real bad. And they're bad now. And then my mom pulled me out and homeschooled me in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So I know I can pin it. It was fifth grade. And Mm. here we are in second grade already dealing with this it's it's a little bit wild but i think the, the the redemptive part of this is where this is reality podcasting with a redemptive twist right the redemptive part is as the girls leaving on friday it's a new tagline reality podcasting <laughs> with a redemptive, redemptive twist. twist as the girl is leaving to walk home on friday night she goes, so I can come back tomorrow? And Elise is behind me, like, going, you know, like, hit, not hand across her throat, but looking at me like, say no, say no. And I, I, I decided to do two things. One was, I'm going to give her a time window where she can come after this time, which I said 11, because we'll be awake and we'll have had time to get some chores done. And I said, I will feed you lunch, which gives her something to do instead of this. Because I find where Elise and her friends are struggling is we have so many. Th- it's it's sort of maybe a form of decision fatigue where there's so mm. many things to do in our house. And now that it's warm, we have we have you guys a 
sand pile that is literally two dump trucks worth of sand. Is amazing sand pile. And the girls, we also have kind of a ghetto... Uh, oh, our whole country. place right now is looking it super just ghetto. Looks it so looks so ghetto. Everything looks but, so ghetto. But right your now. mom and I were commenting. One thing that the girls <sighs> have done is they've taken scrap pallets and scrap tarp and scrap all this stuff that they found, and they've built forts. There are two forts out along the back of our property, and if you look inside the one that's two old nursery, like landscaping nursery mm-hmm. tables pushed together. There's an empty bottle of San Pellegrino. Uh, there's there's basically a whole kitchen set up in there. And including mm. a rug that used to be on my kitchen floor. And <laughs> I have no idea how long it's been gone. I probably had it hanging over a chair outside to dry after a dog and it puke episode totally or disappeared on And you. now it's in this fort. And there's, so they've got two different forts out there. And then Elise and this friend, actually, we have good friends who live behind us and there's no fence. There's a ditch between us, but no fence. And our kids, I've noticed this. I don't know if our neighbors behind us have noticed this. Kathy, if you're listening, let me know if you guys have noticed this. I th- I think this is something you guys will like because Jeff has a board over the ditch for crossing back and forth. But they've expanded their play into... so. Elise and her friend were pretending that they were like baby wolves that were lost from their mom or something. And so they were way over in our in the neighbor's field behind us. So they have all this space to play, but but I've found anyway, when Elise has friends over and they're butting heads and she's resentful because she feels like they're controlling her and she can't doesn't mm. have a voice to to, you know, have have a say in what they're doing or what of her toys she gets to play with because they're hogging her favorite toys or whatever. Uh, I decided I would give this friend a time limit so you can come over now. Do you have any any dietary limitations? We'll have lunch together. And it turned out to be a nice enough day that I rolled out a big rug, indoor outdoor rug, and they ate lunch outside. And I and I planned an activity. So it turned out I the least and I had planned. Mm painting or drunk coloring coloring sheets or something and then Lily had the idea of you guys chickens need mental stimulation and that seems oh, we totally did not update them about our chickens we we can very quickly but and we'll we'll end with this the so so our chicken well very long story well hold on before we get to the chickens you left out a really funny comment about the mother of the girl at the concert that Elise became oh, friends with that goes to our church. Right. So this morning in church, Elise, Elise and Faith, who were both dancing like little little Gaelic maniacs or Celtic maniacs to the this very fun Irish jig music that we listened to at the pub. And she's now bonded with this new friend. And so we get to church and we sit, they slide in in front of us and both Faith and Elise are like, oh, it's the girl. It's our new friend. And she turns around and she gives them a big smile and they're all excited to see each other. And the mom turns around and she goes, I guess our friend girls just needed to hang out at the pub together to be friends. Or I guess they just needed to meet at a bar to be friends. I can't remember exactly what she said, but I was like, that's really funny. Oh, that's hilarious. At a Baptist church. 
We're yeah, celebrating Bap- our friends becoming, our kids becoming this friends. Is, this is a Baptist church kind of in name only, I think. Well, maybe not with everyone. It is a real um, mixed bag It is bag a Baptist church people. because they're real hardcore about believers' baptism. That's what a Baptist church is by definition. Yeah, that's true. Um, What was I going to say? Chickens. We're going to oh, so, close anyway, on our chicken yeah, update. Yeah, so, so I'll <laughs> close with, uh, we'll give the chicken update. But chickens, I'm reading, appreciate, enjoy need to be happy mental stimulation i want happy chickens because happy chickens make good eggs and will be good eating in a couple years but so they this gal that i was reading recommends putting things that are safe of course for them to peck at of different colors and different textures in in their pen and so i suggested to the girls that you're channeling your inner portland right now yeah put a bird on it that they what what was the chicken's name did it live a happy life well, I, we have a lot of funny chicken names. Did I know. It, did it play well? Was it stressed? Our chickens. Everybody kind of talks about the stress of animals, so that's that's legit. But yeah, you yeah no Portland is a oh my goodness I didn't even tell you about Walter. Speaking, you don't need to tell me about Walter. Let's stay with the chickens I and close the show. I want to tell you about Walter. I know, but we're like almost at an hour. Yeah, but it's okay. Whatever. I'm gonna tell you about Walter after and we I talk go about to the chickens. I, okay. We have to All put right. our kids to bed. Our kids are watching. Well, I need to get. The, I need to get the show online. Because we're bad gotta... conservatives. Our kids are watching Disney Plus right now. It was the only way I could watch all the Star Wars with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, <sighs> it the girls painted sticks and rocks, somewhat for themselves and somewhat for the chickens, and they. It was a huge hit of an activity. It was a novelty this to this neighbor girl that we have the table that you can just paint on, and we leave the paint. Uh, because it's like our memory building dining table. And so by the time it was lunch was over, they painted for so long. We ended with lunch. It's one ten, and I've committed the kids to actually helping my parents with chores. So there's like a legit hard end time to this play date. And both girls are begging for more time together. And I was like, well, this is a win. No. <laughs> we're gonna end on a good note. I'm gonna right leave now. you wanting more and we're gonna end on a good note. And no, you cannot go over after you finish doing chores for your grandparents. You've had a great play date. Let's I didn't want to say this to them, but like let's quit while we're ahead. Come on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so anyway, if if anybody else by chance is out there struggling with friend issues, maybe you just need to have shorter play dates with a lot of structure. So that's my strategy for Elise. For the foreseeable future, not that we're going to be having many playdates in the crazy week of skiing and getting ready for a trip and then being gone for a couple of weeks, but uh, structure and closed end times. They're good for first dates no matter what age you are, really. If you watch The Dating Project, <laughs> have structure and a closed end time. Watch the movie The Dating Project if you're in the dating world. Okay, so Walter, JR, I'm going to end with this because it was. We haven't his... even updated him about the chickens yet. Oh. What, the chickens are in Walter old, first, Walter first, and then and we'll then close the chickens. the chickens. Okay, so I went to Goodwill today because Titus realized he needed a new rash guard for swimming because we are Montanans whose skin has not seen the sun other than our faces since September. And he doesn't want to get sunburnt like we did in Hawaii last year. And I'd seen a coat that I thought... I'd, puffy down jacket that I thought I'd pick up for Elise if it was still there. And I don't know, there were a couple other things we were looking for. So we're checking out and there's this 
very, very large black man who's the cashier for me. And I've, I've, he's been there when I've been there before. He, he's so large, you guys, that he has to sit on a stool and have all of the things that he, like extra bags and things like that within his reach because I think once he's sitting, he doesn't get up for his whole stint at the cash register. And he, he's always seemed like every time he's, I've had him as a cashier, he seems like really respect, really nice, just really friendly, happy, you know, just pe- a person that kind of blesses you by their countenance. And I'm checking out today and he just, he, he seemed a little bit crazy. He starts, he goes, I'm from the, the something land of lunatics. And it was a word that started with L and I was like, mm-hmm. And he's kind of fumbling with the hangers and he says it again. And Titus is with me and his eyes kind of get real big and he's like, what is going on? And, and he goes, then Walter goes, I'm from California. <laughs> and I was like, oh, land of lunatics. And he goes, man, that place is just, it should just fall off into the sea. They are crazy there. And then this was the part that was really interesting he to me. He belongs in Montana. He started talking about <clears throat> San Francisco and the government's desire to pay reparations to black people. And he gave me this extremely educated and articulate position on how damaging to every person, every type of person in San Francisco paying reparations would be. And I'm not going to go into the whole argument except to say he was he knew his stuff. And as a black man, it was very impressive to have such a coherent not that black people can't have coherent arguments that sounds like a tremendously racist statement but you know for him to see his own for example he said you know all the black people that are homeless they're gonna buy too many drugs or they're gonna get robbed blind by the white people who are homeless right next to them and know all of a sudden they have all this money there you go (laughs) and he's like and then the police aren't gonna do anything about it because the police Mm -hmm. don't deal with stuff like that you know, and so he's like, it, it literally, and then, you know, so you're going to create enmity between poor blacks and poor whites, and you're not actually helping any of them because the poor blacks are getting no education on how to manage that money. So they're just going to spend it all in one place, probably on drugs. They're not going to go buy a house or something with it. And um, it was a really long conversation, actually, about reparations and... We get in the car and Titus was like, wow, that was a lot or something like that. And I was like, but actually, you know, and I, um, I, there's a Canavox video, which I'm actually going to send to you. It's not Canavox. It's a Catholic group called Humanum, Humanum, but it's, there's a black sociologist from America talking about how the way whites in America structured their slave slave holdings if you will um they did not allow black people to get married because they knew that marriage is the foundation of stable healthy strong emotionally uh, willing to take risks individuals and all of the social and emotional and economic benefits that come to societies through marriage and the families that grow out of that slave owners deliberately denied to black people because they didn't want smart stable they wanted 
chattel that they that weren't thinking that weren't didn't have strong family bonds that and other relationship capabilities that come from strong family bonds they don't want relationships because it's a risk to them and so they deliberately divided up families did not allow parents to keep their children beyond a certain age and she talked about how that continues to echo in american culture today and i just appreciate i told titus you know, there's a lot about the reparations arguments that are just silly and irresponsible. But as someone who does not believe that I am faultless in anything or that my ancestors, because I know that my mom's aunt traced back heritage to the daughters of the American Revolution. So even though a ton of my heritage is not you know, probably like there's a small possibility that I'm descended from slave owners in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not responsible for their sin, but there is a way in which as a white American, I am benefiting. I have benefited from the way that slave o- white slave ownership fractured the black family during slavery. And so I was telling Titus probably more than he wanted to know. You know, we need, we need to be able to own and recognize things like that while also making coherent arguments for looking at the brokenness in a place like San Francisco and saying, boy, throwing money at it is sure not going to help. It might make you feel good until you get your tax bill. But throwing a huge <coughs> amount of money at a problem like this, and he remembers from when we were there two years ago, he remembers the people like pooping in the sidewalk, you know, in the grass right off mm-hmm. the sidewalk and yeah. people passed out on the sidewalk. It's stunning, you guys, if you haven't been to a place like Portland or San Francisco recently. It's stunning. But, um, you know, so I just, I had a a short conversation with him. He'd never heard the term reparations, so I explained to him the idea that it's paying slave descendants of slaves because of the consequences that they continue to live with. But why, you know... (laughs) The idea of reparations doesn't distinguish between somebody whose parents moved from Nigeria 20 years ago and somebody whose ancestors were brought over as slaves. I mean, anyway, there's all sorts of different issues with that. But uh, it was part of it was I didn't know where Walter was going when we started this conversation, (laughs) but he has a cheerful, kind countenance. And I wanted to honor that and hear him out in whatever kind of stark raving babbling he was starting out on and then i was just delightly delightfully surprised while i was buying my cheap stuff at goodwill to have a little bit of a philosophical and economic discussion on reparations <laughs> that's awesome chickens uh chickens oh yeah, yeah yeah okay so one of the other big things i had to do on friday friday felt like a really busy day um is we got all the chickens moved from the basement bathroom into uh, the garage. My buddy actually ended up with a kennel and uh, an old dog kennel that we absconded with. And then I found I had some old uh, horse stall mats that I used for my gym in the garage. So I put those in there, put the kennel in there, and we got everything set up. The kids did a wonderful job wiring chicken wire all around. They did all the chicken wire wiring and put a couple pieces of plywood on top. So the... Um, Chickens couldn't get out. And, and the cats couldn't get in. Mm-hmm. You guys, it's chicken TV in the garage. It's so entertaining. It's So Molly throws in. She's like, oh, I, I just, I grabbed some 
uh, straw and she just puts it in piles. I'm like, why don't you just spread it around? She's like, no, no, no. I, I, I read on the internet. I read on the internet. Chickens <laughs> don't like piles. And I'm like, okay. So we started watching them for a minute and they go around and it just like the moment the straw. It's probably went, what, like an eight by eight kennel? Uh, no, six it's more six. like four and a half or five by five. Nah, it's bigger than that. Uh-uh. Because those mats are only two foot by four feet. Oh, okay. Anyway, let's say yeah. five by five. Let's say it's about five by five. Kennel. So there's like three, maybe calf high piles of straw in the whole place. Yes, yeah. and and it's like the moment the straw went in. So when we put the, all the chicks in there, they all kind of huddled. There's in the twenty corner. of them. Remember? Yeah, and we've got the heaters in there. We got their food and everything. And Titus built this really cool chicken roost that he stuck in there, and um, they were they were just kind of huddled in the corner. Molly comes home, throws the straw on the ground in these real random piles, and the chickens suddenly went nuts. <laughs> they, did. they just went alive. They started running around. They started uh, hopping around, flying around. They get to these piles and they'd scratch this straw all. Oh, and they're it was kicking funny. it back, and it's going flying. It's just flying. It's flying into their food, into their water, and then they'll flap their wings and fly over somewhere else and scratch a little bit and more. And they like. It seems like they like flapping their wings just to send straw flying everywhere. Yeah, it's super funny. And so ever since then, the chickens have been very active. Mm-hmm. In like, I came in. I came in today uh, at some point. Uh, I think before I left. Um, I walked into the into the garage and there was like five of them were on those wood roosts that you built. Three of them were flying around the roost that Titus put, Titus built. And then several others were chasing other ones around and they were just kind of running around and doing their thing. And uh, Molly showed me a video <laughs> yesterday of what happened when a chicken... Got a... One of the kids... The kid said she gave them, they were pecking at the band-aid on her foot, and she's like, oh, they like my band-aid. So she just gave it to them. I was like, <laughs> you don't give chickens a used band-aid. I mean, I, I don't know why not. Just don't give the chickens used band-aids, okay? Well, this, have a good reason, but... It, seriously, <laughs> every now and then I'll get on these like internet meme streams of things you never expected to say as a parent. Something I never expected to say as either a parent or a chicken owner. Please don't give the chickens used Band-Aids. But remember, our chickens are four weeks, three and four weeks old. So they're probably, the bigger ones are probably six inches tall by now. And the smaller ones, four inches tall. Well, one of the smaller ones gets a hold of this used Band-Aid. And it was... I don't know, like a playground game where everybody's trying to get the, I can only think of the derogatory one that I'm not going to say right now where, you know, you have something and everyone's chasing you, trying to tackle you. So this chicken is just running in circles and we've got some different sets of boards and stuff for them to climb on and roost on and get mental stimulation from. It's running in and out of these boards and back around. And then we have these instead of a heat lamp we have these warming plates that sit a couple of inches off the ground on on legs and so the idea is it's not a fire hazard and it uses less energy but primarily well fire hazard is big maybe secondarily beyond not being a fire hazard it gives them a sense of being nestled under their mom's wings where they the heat lamp just leaves them kind of feeling exposed and out in the open so they huddle under these heat plates and we have a series of probably three and a half feet worth of warming plates along one wall. And it would go under one and then run under the whole string of warming plates and come out the other. This this little chicken with its Band-Aid. It was so Just funny. Just getting chased. 
I'll see if I took video of it. It's not great, but we'll put, it, we'll put it up on the Telegram group. You guys will figure it out. So anyway, we are uh, for a show that didn't start out with anything to talk about. We did it. Reality podcasting with a redemptive twist. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. We are the Flushings. <laughs> anyway, we did not get to the question about the Sabbath, uh, but we'll put that on the on the to do. Um, on the to-do list to to discuss. So if you guys do want to join that... <clears throat> ooh, excuse me, where'd that come from? If you guys do want to join the Telegram group, the link is in the show notes. Uh, again, the time stamped. You can go back and check out if there's something you want to re-listen to or whatever. Um, I'll also include a link to the Canavox video Molly mentioned, as well as the Be, Mal, Be Thou My Division... Uh, Be, Thou My, Be Thou My Vision devotional that I've been going through. And uh, we'll include a link to the website where you can go and uh, buy some swag. People are weird and hard. Uh, stickers or T-shirts or a Too Busy to Flush hat, maybe. I really need to update that. I haven't updated it in a year and a half. It's just kind of stagnant. I'm, I'm mm. really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I have ambitions. I have I have ideas and just it doesn't I run out of time, you guys. I've been wanting to sit in the studio. I've ha- I have a new wait, single. Wait, we need to reframe the running out of time in a... Kelly Kopic, <clears throat> redemptive. You're only human. You are made with limitations. You are finite. Uh-huh. I have a single, uh, a new patroller single that I've finished, and I haven't been able to like find the time to even just get it uploaded. So, anyway, I'm really looking forward to the end of ski season. Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, that said, that's all I got. You have anything? I don't. I'm going to go put the guys, kids to bed. Guys, we may or may not bring our tech to the Dominican Republic and record a show. Um, I only have one microphone, and it's really expensive. And normally, when you travel overseas, you fill out what's called a carnet so that uh, it's documented that what you took out uh, is what you're bringing back in. And so you don't get taxed one way or the other or anything. Oh, uh, we don't want to be. We can't, just, we can't just be ghetto and record low quality for once. No. Okay. You know me. I can't be ghetto. You you sit are around, you live in a ghetto. Sit around I, I live in a ghetto, but my studio is very much not ghetto. Yes. My studio is professional and it is high quality. Um I mean what would you Maybe we should do a just... poll bot on Telegram. <laughs> <laughs> okay guys, that's we're gonna that's this show is devolving. I'm gonna go. Anything else you wanna say? Uh nope. Okay. See you guys. Next time. Bye.